The city of St. Louis may not be everyone's cup of tea, but a weekend rivalry series between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals, now that is anything but boring. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds. This is another series preview as those Chicago Cubs get set to welcome the St. Louis Cardinals to Wrigley for round one of the NL Central rivalry in 2019. Now, a lot has gone on with the Chicago Cubs, who got off to a slow start on the field, but have also had to deal with their share of drama elsewhere. So to help me work through it all and get you set for this weekend series in Chicago, please join me in welcoming back to the show from the Ivy Envy podcast, Corey Finneran. Well, Corey, it has been a while since we've had a chance to catch up. So first of all, thanks for joining me today. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Trying not to float away. There's a lot of water uh, in these parts these days, so trying to stay dry. (laughs) But there is plenty of baseball going on as well. Well, there's not a lot of baseball going on here. We can talk about minor league baseball some other time. But there is other baseball, and the Cardinals and the Cubs will see each other this weekend at Wrigley for the first time this year. So that's always a fun thing to dive into. Before we get too far into that. There's sort of an elephant in the room right now. Anytime the Cubs come up, people are asking me about it. I don't have a whole lot to add to the conversation. Obviously, I'm talking about Addison Russell, eligible to be activated this weekend. He will not be playing with the Major League team, which maybe makes it not as big of a deal as it could have been as far as this conversation. But I guess let's start there. Just talk about that briefly, get it out of the way, because a lot of people are asking me, right? What is your take on Addison Russell? What do Cubs fans feel about the Addison Russell situation? And I, I feel like it's complicated and layered and a little messy to try to to fit into one sort of soundbite answer to that. But right. I'm going to throw it to you. What is the, the reaction and how are people kind of handling the process of real life stuff mixed with baseball stuff? Yeah, it's a tough thing. And I, w- I want to start off by saying, like, I am only representing my own views. You know, everybody's got their own take on this. And, you know, like like every situation in the world, really. And so I'm just uh, sharing my thoughts. And as far as like, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Cubs fans in general, but I think like like you would expect, there's kind of like the full spectrum. You know, you have people who maybe are more like me that, you know, I don't want to ever see Addison Russell in a Cubs uniform again. I'd prefer to never see him play baseball again, but I definitely don't want to see him in a Cubs uniform. Um, I don't like how the team has handled the situation. I don't like how, you know, the, the owners, the, the, every, you know, the individuals in the front office, I don't like how anybody has handled the situation. I don't like how the media has handled the situation. And, um, so that's kind of where I stand. Um, and I think you have a lot of people that are, that agree with that. You have people that are kind of like, oh, well, he, he's he's, you know, basically the he served his time. So uh, we should get past it. Uh, and then you have some people that are just, you know, all they care about is what happens on the field and they don't care at all about anything else. And so I think like most fan bases, most large populations, populations of people, you just have the full spectrum. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> but um. And, and I think, uh, as I looked at the, before we recorded our last episode, I was thinking, okay, so Friday he's eligible to come up. Are the Cubs going to do it? And, and basically they have, uh, in my opinion, like really the Cubs, you know, major league baseball has, has given him his punishment. The Cubs 
uh, other than like mandating, um, you know, uh, um, him talking to counselors and stuff like that. Um, I don't, they haven't really done anything else, uh, to punish him. Um, at least, you know, out in the public's view. Um, and so, but I looked at it and I thought, you know, I know enough about this front office that they are not going to bring him up at home. Uh, they, that this front office doesn't like to, um, when they call someone up from AAA, uh, you know, like a prospect, uh, that, that would excite fans. Um, they usually bring that player up on the road. I think they like to do those types of things just to avoid like the media circus that could happen at Wrigley field. So as I looked at the schedule, I thought, well, I, I, I would be shocked if they brought him up for a Cubs Cardinal series. The first time the two teams face at Wrigley, I just, I don't think they're going to do it, but they're not home again until May 14th, or I'm sorry, they're not on the road until May 14th. They're at home for, for that like 10 or 11 day stretch. And so I, I don't think the Cubs will bring him up until, but I think as soon as they're on the road in that first series, I think it's in Cincinnati. I, I think they'll most likely bring him up then. It's such a weird thing to try to process, right? Because there's the very X's and O's baseball. What does he do for this team compared to anyone else who might be on the roster? How do you get value out of these players that you've put money into kind of thing? There's also the very personal, very real, like, no, this product is is people and people have to you know, deal with the consequences of their actions. It's not just a, a product that you're selling off a shelf in a store somewhere. And I think for me, what's been most difficult is, look, I'm all for redemption stories. I think that's great because I think that there's something really powerful about someone who can take something in their life that was this horrible thing, learn from it, and be better for it. However, trying to force a redemption story is very frustrating. And that seems to be where there's, I don't know, there's there's some particular storylines or, or individuals or whatever that, that seem to be trying to create this redemption story before there's any real reason for that. We don't know what Addison Russell's going to do with the rest of his life. We don't know how he's going to recover from this. So maybe let's not try to die on the defending Addison Russell's redemption story hill before he's done anything to show that there's a redemption story to tell. Exactly. And, and redemption stories m- mere months after the punishment, uh, that, that's tough to stomach. Um, you know, and, and I, Addison Russell hasn't really helped his own cause. I don't think, um, the press conference that he did, uh, from spring training, I thought was pretty tone deaf. Um, it, it seemed not, yeah, I, I guess I would say tone deaf, but more so just, um, kind of insensitive and like he didn't really fully understand the gravity of the situation. You know, he didn't, um, his, his, his answers were very scripted. He had basically the same answer to every single question. It just didn't come off as authentic. And, you know, knowing that, knowing like I've watched Addison Russell since he was acquired by the Cubs and he's never really, you know, he doesn't have a very glowing personality. And so part of like the, the, the canned feeling of his responses, I think, are partially because he doesn't really have a, a big personality. He's not very personal, uh, personable. And so I think that's part of it. But but yeah, uh, I, I think that uh, it's re- redemption stories are great. You know, everybody, everybody likes a redemption story. Everybody, you know, wants to maybe play a role in someone's redemption story. I think it's just our human nature. That said, like this just it doesn't feel like it's the time it feels extremely forced um and so you know you just can't i don't think you can say oh he has done all of the uh things that we've asked him to do 
um, without, without really getting into any specifics of what those things are when you really haven't seen anything, you know, I think there's a lot of things that he could do and I don't necessarily want to get it, want to get into all of that, but I think there's a lot he could do. And I just don't, it just, you're right. It feels very forced. Um, even recently, the uh, na- national article that was written about him, the kind of redemption story, I thought it was just difficult to read. It's all like kind of, you're right, it's all kind of forcing this redemption story that we haven't seen the fruits of at all. And so how can you, I, I don't understand it. And I think it's more of just like uh, convincing a certain, you know, uh, certain segments of the fan base that, look, he's better. It's okay. Let's just get everything normal. To kind of jump off that back to the like on the field stuff that you mentioned, I, I think there's a pretty good case that Addison Russell doesn't belong in this lineup, uh, even with what he can do on the field. I don't think he uh, offensively, he doesn't bring a whole lot to the team. He hasn't in quite a while uh, defensively. I'm sorry, but, you know, Javier Baez, I think, is a better shortstop than Addison Russell. And so um, I, I just think there are a lot of reasons to that that he should not be on this team and and should definitely not be called up even if he's going to be in Iowa but um I don't know and and then you get into all of the you know he will bring extra media attention both at home and on the road uh there's surely has to be some clubhouse something uh you know some sort of people have to have opinions on this inside clubhouse and so you wonder you know this is a team that started off the year pretty slow and they've kind of been able to turn things around and so you think man do you really want to mess with what you know, this trajectory that they're on uh, with turning things around by introducing somebody that could be divisive or could, you know, have a negative impact on the clubhouse. Yeah, maybe not a great time for, I don't know, there's any time that's great for that sort of distraction, but certainly as far as the baseball is concerned, maybe, maybe not the time. But I guess we'll see how that all plays out. And I'm sure there will be plenty of reactions from plenty of people along the way as we do so. I'm going to stick with some Twitter questions because I did get a couple of those. And I'm going to go a completely different direction with a question from Zach. And he asks, what's your favorite addition after the winter construction in and around Wrigley? Follow-up question, why did you choose the new Shake Shack? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, full disclaimer, I don't live in Chicago. And so... um, I was up there for the home opener. Um, I uh, do not, because of um, the Addison Russell situation, because of uh, Joe Ricketts' emails, because of how many things have been handled over the offseason, I have no intention on uh, in going to a Cubs game at Wrigley this year. I will be going to Bush. Um, so, uh, but I'm not, so uh, I'm not really, you know, I was up there for the home opener, but I just kind of went to a bar to watch it, hang out with some people and left. I didn't explore very much. So as far as the most recent changes from, you know, over this winter, uh, I can't really say too much. Although I will say there is a, uh, a, a baseballism store across mm. like right across from Wrigley. Um, and so I kind of enjoy like, you know, their design and their style and stuff. And so uh, I did go in there and check their stuff out. So, I guess that's it. <laughs> the baseballism store. There you go. Hey, that's cool. Um, I love that that company and that stuff. So I'll have to, if I'm in Chicago, make sure I check that out. In relation to you not living in Chicago and traveling to games, the uh, the one and only Kenny Wallace, former NASCAR driver, asked, "What's the best way to get to a game at Wrigley?" Um. Well, that's a good question. In uh, a race car, obviously, right? Like right, that's right. the. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're still going to be sitting in traffic, but <laughs> you know, it'll really impress some people around yeah. you. Um, 
Yeah, I, I guess, you know, if you're in the city, if you're staying in the city somewhere, um, I, I think uh, taking the, the red line up is pretty convenient. There's a stop on Addison that puts you a block or so from the ballpark. That's probably the easiest way. Um, I tend to uh, I use um, uh, ParkWiz, which is an app where you can line your parking up ahead of time. So if I'm just going up for a game, coming back home that same day, um, I really like to use that app because it's kind of like airbnb for your car so you can set the time choose your location choose where you want to park you know find the price that fits your budget and so um yeah we we, i've been using them for quite a while and i just find it to be if you pay if you go up there and just wing it and pay for parking you're going to pay too much um you might get in one of those lots where you have to wait for other people to leave and you know i've done that (laughs) yeah you don't want to do that especially you know on a weekend series cubs cardinals in chicago there's going to be people drinking that are going to conveniently forget that they need to go get their cars and so i like to to get everything taken care of ahead of time so smart there you go kenny wallace uh now you know what to do when you when you get to to uh, chicago okay last one for now sidebar graham don't worry i will get to your questions when we talk specific players because i know you will ask me derek asked have the Cubs actually been good or just benefited from an easy schedule? So this will kind of transition us into what's going on with the Cubs right now. You mentioned a bit of a rough start. Things have picked up lately. What's the source for that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I I could definitely understand where if you're not uh, watching the team, um, you know, on a daily basis, why you might think that. But um, first, the team is just playing a lot better. The, The bullpen was a complete disaster for the first week or 10 days of the season they've had little moments where they've been you know temporary isolated disasters but for the most part that has really calmed down uh the the um the starting pitching has been significantly better in their last three or four starts per pitcher um and the offense is really clicking and there's some you know certain players that are really carrying the team and now as they're starting to cool off we're kind of seeing the players that you would expect to carry the team kind of step up. And so the team is playing really good baseball right now for the most part. Um, as far as an easy schedule, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that um, because I did see this question ahead of time. And so I was, I was thinking about this and I looked and um, seven of their uh, nine opponents uh, have are within a game of 500. So um, yeah, they've played, you know, they played the, the, the Marlins, um, the Angels aren't doing real well, but for the most part, I mean, they've played, they got played a series with the Dodgers, won that series. Um, they've played the Brewers early in the season. Um, and so I feel like, you know, we've, I really liked that Dodgers series and I, I would assume like, you know, I don't pay a, a great deal of attention to the Cardinals. I always look to see the result, but I, I can't re- exactly remember who they've played, but I kind of like that, um, nice mixture early in April where you kind of have some easy teams. You've got, you know, some, middle middle of the road teams and I, I like the fact that the Cubs played the Dodgers at Wrigley because the Dodgers are a team you're going to expect will be you know in the postseason or sniffing the postseason so it's kind of a good measuring stick for the Cubs uh in playing that series and they took two out of three looked really good so uh, I, I don't know if I would agree that they've just benefited from an easy schedule because um I don't you know yeah they've played a couple easy teams but guess what? The Cardinals are going to play him too. And if they, I don't know, maybe they have already, I'm not sure. But, um, so I, I think it's been a pretty, like, they definitely haven't like been through the ringer yet with, with tough teams. But, um, and I, and really I, I pay, you know, it's, it's the Cardinals, it's the Brewers, it's, you know, even the Reds and Pirates. I mean, those are the teams that, 
that our teams are going to play 18, 19 times a year. And so those are the, those are the series and the, and the, uh, the opponents that I am most interested in, you know, how the Cubs do against them. I think the Cardinals and their fans would feel the same way. And of course that was a little exaggerated for the Cardinals this year, playing the Brewers as many times as they did to start the season. I mean, three series in the first month against the Brewers was a a pretty brutal gauntlet, but the Cardinals also played the Dodgers in this first month. And I felt similarly that that was a a strong measuring stick for what this team was capable of, and they handled the Dodgers very well. Uh, Coming off of, you know, the Dodgers were one of the hottest hitting teams in baseball coming into that series. So I'm very curious to see this series between the Cubs and the Cardinals. If you look at any offensive stats, um, and even some of the pitching stats, really, uh, these two teams are very similar in the way that they're playing right now, in some of the guys that they're getting key contributions from, um, in the kind of offense that they're generating. All of those things are really interesting to me because of how similar they are. And I think that just a lot of us said this, and I'm sure, you know, you've had these same conversations that the the NL Central is probably going to be like this most of the season where everyone kind of profiles a little bit similarly in how they can generate runs, how they can pick up wins. Um, the pitching for the Cubs has stepped up a bit. The Cardinals starting pitching is still a bit of a question mark, but both teams can put runs on the board. And you mentioned it, Brian and Rizzo haven't really been a part of that to this point, although they're turning it on a little bit now. How surprising is it that their start was so slow, but also that it hasn't really held the Cubs back offensively? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a big thing is, you know, starting with the fact that it hasn't held them back. I mean, Chris Bryant, this was going to be his like revenge tour, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, and I think a lot you could look at the the numbers he put up last year and, you know, he, he was playing t- definitely playing through injury. I mean, you could just tell with, by watching him that he was playing through injury. So it's pretty incredible that he put up the numbers he did. Uh, considering how, you know, like the power completely disappeared and, um, you know, you could just see, tell by the way he was playing, but, um, yeah, we're seeing Rizzo. Um, and and even though like, um, you know, those players like, like Rizzo and, and Bryant and Schwarber, they haven't really produced like they're capable of doing. They're still like, you know, Chris Bryant is a league average hitter right now, as far as, you know, OPS plus and, 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 uh, um, Rizzo is like 125 uh, OPS plus or whatever. And so like, it's pretty amazing that they really haven't that the fact that you would be like, Oh, those guys are, are kind of cold. They're starting the season kind of rough <laughs> and they're still like producing, you know, but, but if you look at, and, and um, yeah, in the, in, I feel like those three players are stepping up at a time when Contreras Baez, Hayward might be kind of cooling off a little bit. And I think that's a sign of a good team is that, you know, really productive offense. You don't necessarily want everybody clicking at the same time, everybody going cold at the same time. And so this balance um, as, as a fan has been kind of fun to watch and to see where where production is going to come from. Um, but but yeah, and, and brought, or, um, Rizzo started the year slow last year. And so maybe it's just kind of an early season type thing. I'm not really concerned about any of them. And I would say, you know, it, Cardinals fans are going to hate to hear this, but I mean, I think by far the biggest surprise on the roster this year offensively has been Jason Hayward, somebody that as Cubs fans, we kind of gave up on him. You know, I mean, we pulled for him so much and we still, you know, it was such like a, he had a really rough first week of the season. He hit into like five double plays and on our podcast, it was like, you know what? 
I guess, I guess it's done. You know, I guess this is just what he's going to be. And that's really sad. And, you know, there's, you know, you hear so many good things about him as a person and as a player, as a teammate. And so you, we wanted to pull for him. And then as soon as we like declared, okay, we concede that it did not work out. He just goes on a tear and plays like he did really when, you know, he did when he was with the Cardinals in, in 2015, I dreaded him coming to the plate. I feared him more than anyone else. They, it just felt like the Cubs could not get him out. And so uh, it's really been nice to see him uh, kind of step up and and be able to put things together and and produce the way that he is because, um, you know, it just it's uh, it was a long three seasons. And I can't imagine how tough it was for him to go through that. Yeah, one of the questions that uh, that Graham asked on Twitter that Graham, I told you I'd get back to it was about Jason Hayward. And he asked if Hayward has turned a corner. Is it I mean, it's obviously one month of baseball, and it's hard to really project an entire season, but do you get a feel for whether or not this is just Hayward going on a a hot stretch like he's done on occasion, or if there's actually something distinctly different about this? Well, you know, you you mentioned him going on a hot stretch for uh, a a period of time. I can't really remember that happening. So I kind of feel like this is the first time we've really seen him. uh, go on a stretch like this. And, and there are certain things, you know, like, um, the, the fact that he, and even when he was doing poorly, you know, we just kept like telling ourselves, well, he's hitting, look at the exit velocity. He's hitting, he's hitting the ball hard. It's going to start falling in, you know, it's going to go his way. And, um, and I mean, Jason Hayward is hitting the ball really, really hard this year. And so, um, I, of course, being, uh, cautious, uh, you know, we're still Cubs fans. Uh, we're still pessimistic. And so I don't want to say like, yep, everything's fixed. He's fine. Um, and so I'm being kind of cautious about it, but I think there is reason to believe that, um, you know, this could be, he may, this may be the player that he becomes now for his, you know, for the handful of seasons. And the funny thing is, is he hasn't, he has an opt out after this season. Of course he does. So <laughs> I think it would be, I don't know, Part of me would really get a kick out of the if he opted out. I don't think he's going to, but um, but yeah, it's just been and and of course you know if you think about what he brings to the field in the field, um, his defense. I mean that is really uh, made it easier to to stomach uh, the lack of production at the plate just because uh, you can't, that can't be undervalued what he's done in the outfield. And the Cubs have slid him over into center field more this season, which is okay. I'm not. He doesn't look quite as comfortable out there. I firm in right field. I think that's kind of where he shines, but, um, I don't know. I, I think like I'm cautiously saying maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> this is for real. Maybe it's interesting. The Cardinals have occasionally slid Dexter Fowler back to center field this year where he has been playing in right field with Harrison Bader holding down the fort in center. And I actually think Dex looks way more comfortable in center field than he does in right. Uh, unfortunately, the way that the Cardinals roster lines up, I don't think he's going to spend a ton of time in center field, but it's been interesting to see him kind of get back to a place where he's comfortable. But it also doesn't hurt that he's finally found his stride a little bit offensively as well after going through a, just a, a dramatically terrible year last season. Um, so again, cautiously, a lot of us have said, well, this this might actually be a thing. Now with, with Dex, 
obviously last year was the anomaly, right? He's been much better than that over the course of his career. So we kind of expected he would return to some sort of career norm. We just didn't really know what that was going to look like. These are these are the stories where you can look back and be like, oh, okay, this is this is what we were all hoping for at some point. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's great to see both of those guys. Um, you know, because of the nature of like, I don't, I don't think Cardinals fans are real fond of Jason Hayward, and I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't met a Cubs fan that that doesn't like Dexter Fowler. Same. Uh, <laughs> And, and so I think that, like, it's just nice to see both of these players. You know, I think, like, I like seeing both of them succeed. And so Dexter Fowler can do everything he wants when he plays anyone but the Cubs. <laughs> and I'll be cheering him on. And so it's it's nice to see, um, you know, see both of those guys turn it around. And, and really, you know, kind of jumping back to Jason Hayward real quick, I think it will be uh, – it's a pretty incredible thing. If, if this is legit and and he really has turned a corner – I can't I I was trying to think and I can't think of somebody that has gone through like a three season slump and turned things around like this. And so um if he did that, I mean I think that's just like a testimonial to his his you know how hard he has worked and and everything that he's put into to turning things around. I think that'll be really impressive. Yeah, that's hard to do for a lot of reasons. So yeah, certainly yeah. impressive to to even just to stay that committed to the process is mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable um for cardinals fans you may want to just skip through this part because i want to let you talk about hobby bias oh, <laughs> because man. i think you enjoy talking about hobby bias as much as i enjoy talking about colton wong and i think that's great but we sort of touched on you know the fact that with addison russell there's not really a spot for him uh, that makes a whole lot of sense and part of that is because of someone like Javi Baez, who does right. what he's capable of playing at short. Um, obviously, he's a, a star for his personality and for his character and for the skill set that he has. But when you look at wh- his role with this team right now, what is that for the 2019 version of the Chicago Cubs? Well, you know, that's a really good question. And, and I think that he is, Javi is a spark plug. And Javi, um, I think that uh, the team feeds off Javi's energy. And I think that you'll find that, you know, Javi has played a lot of games in in seasons. And I can't ever think of tying like a time that I saw Javi worn down or not play exactly like he does every other time he takes the field. And so I think that over the course of a season, I think that that does have an impact on the team to see, hey, you know, I just think it's 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 a long season, 162 games, all that travel. And so I think that has a really big impact on the team. But also we're seeing players do things um, that are like um, almost mimicking Javi. And so I think he's kind of changed how the Cubs approach the game. And I think you kind of, you know, if I look back at that 2015 season, the the Cubs just seem to have like kind of a killer instinct and kind of a, we can't do anything wrong. They were just young and dumb, you know yeah. I mean? That's what everybody's like, they're just playing young and dumb yeah. and it's working for them. And I think Javi still plays young and dumb and it works for him like 95% of the time. And even in the last couple of weeks, like we saw David Bodie, who if Cardinals fans aren't familiar, I don't, I don't know who to compare him to on the Cardinals as far as body type, <laughs> maybe, maybe not terribly far from Yachty. <laughs> um, <laughs> Saw him like try a swim slide, you know, the, the Javi swim slide. Mm-hmm. We saw uh, a couple nights ago or, or um, Sunday in that extra innings game, um, he, uh, uh, Wilson Contreras tried to steal home 
as the catcher was throwing back to, or yeah, the catcher was throwing back to the pitcher. Contreras, a catcher, tried to steal home and all was almost safe. And so, like on one hand, it's like you know, you hate to see them make those kinds of mistakes. On the other hand, it's what makes baseball fun, you know. And I coach, I coach youth softball, and I'm always telling the girls I coach, like, play like hobby, you know, play play like you know. And and I had tell them like, watch. Francisco Lindor, you know, watch these young, exciting players. That's how we need to play. We need to play like we're having fun and play like you're always looking to take advantage of the other team's mistake. And you want to, like, cause mistakes and create, create, you know, uh, errors all over the field. And that's that's what Javi does. Javi gets into, a, you know, fielders heads and they make really silly mistakes because you can tell they're thinking, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And you know, there's an error on like an easy, you know, an easy hit to the outfield. So anyway, I could talk about Javi forever and I'll go in so many different directions. But I think that Javi is is quickly becoming one of the leaders of the team. It seems like from the outside, someone who's not in the clubhouse, um, it feels like he would he is becoming a leader. And I think, you know, a lot of Cubs fans, the youth. Rizzo was always, you know, all the kids were Rizzo fans. And it's amazing now. You, I went to Cubs convention and all of the kids were wearing Javi, Javi jerseys, Javi shirts. And so I just think it's really good for baseball in general. And I like that there are so many of these types of players in baseball right now. And I feel like every team should have at least one or two of these young, exciting players. And um, you know, I think baseball is starting to kind of realize that that's – marketing potential there their, their actions always don't back up that you know let the <sighs> yeah <laughs> but i love it i think it's great and anything that makes like you know older stiffer baseball fans uncomfortable i kind of enjoy so <laughs> <laughs> same um yeah the cardinals kind of have that i mean I've, I've often sort of compared colton long and javi baez and the way that they can have that sort of spark plug um impact on the game but the cardinals sort of have that with harrison bader right now as well he's the guy that <laughs> you talk about marketing boy did they push that over the offseason harrison yeah. bader sort of became the de facto face of the organization which that's a whole nother conversation but nonetheless Everybody wants to to see Harrison Bader and be like Harrison Bader as far as the kids are concerned. And I, you're right. I think that's great for baseball to have a, a character like that on every team that, that someone can identify with. So um, I enjoy people who enjoy someone like Javi Baez. So I love getting the chance to hear um, just that excitement and the fun that they bring to the field because that's, that's what we all want to see, right? Um, this series in particular... Let's talk a little bit about pitching. Uh, we are a couple days out yet. We're recording this on Wednesday. The series doesn't start till Friday. So all of this is is probable. We don't know for sure who we're going to see in uh, in a couple of those games. I know the first game for the Cardinals, they're throwing Jack Flaherty. Um, and you mentioned the, the probables for the Cubs as far as the starters are concerned to me when we talked earlier. So let's talk about the starting pitching because you mentioned it's been better as of late, including some of the guys we'll see in the series. Yeah, Darvish uh, will probably pitch on Friday, and um, you know, there, there, I could not even begin to predict what you will see from. <laughs> I have no clue. He's either going to look really good or he's going to look really bad. Um, the nice thing is, is that we've seen like last year in Darvish's first season. Um, you know, he was injured. I think at the end of April, early May, very early on, and he wasn't able to when things went off the rails. 
he just lost it. He could not recover from that. He started the season, I think, with one of those outings where it felt like, man, he just can't, you know, it was short. I think it was maybe just a couple innings. I don't remember exactly. But um, but what we've seen over the last three or four starts is him really kind of start to put things together. Um, I felt like Joe Madden's had a pretty short leash with Darvish. It's almost like we're going to let him go while things are going good. And then as soon as anything goes bad in the sixth inning, we're pulling him. And and it would it could be like a two-out walk. And he's looking good and he's throwing harder than he had, you know, anytime he's been with the Cubs. I mean, there was a game, uh, I think two or three starts ago, and it was in the sixth inning and he was throwing like 99. He was throwing like I didn't know that you Darvish could throw that hard. And so um, and Joe went out and got him. And so but this last um, this last start, he got he got to finish the sixth. And, um, you know, he's good for. Right now, it seems like he's good for two or three, four walks. Um, and but for the most part, he's given up like solo home runs. But the the you know he, he he's not giving up a lot of hits. And I think he looks pretty good. And it's nice to see him settling in. That said, I would no I would not say like this is what you can expect from you, Darvish, because we've still seen a lot of ups and downs and a lot of strange, uh, you know, uh, strange situations. So um, I hope I hope he you know, pitches well. And I, if any, he's also pitched in a lot of bad weather. So I'm hoping for some decent weather on Friday. Cause it feels like he deserves that. Yeah. The weather always proves a bit of a challenge, especially, I mean, Adam Wainwright ran into that in a couple early games where inevitably the, the day he got the start was the worst weather of the, of the turn through the rotation. So that can always wreck a little bit of havoc. I think as far as it looks for the Cardinals right now, lining up to be Waka and Wainwright in those second and third games of the series, which could be interesting. Both guys have had sort of ups and downs as far as their starts have gone so far this year. Waka coming off of a, a decent start that looked like it was going to get out of hand before he sort of reeled it in. And, and um, Adam Wainwright has had a couple of pretty good starts Again, where he'll have an inning or two where it looks like it's going to go off the rails and then he sort of pulls it back together and looks pretty vintage as far as Adam Wainwright goes. It's always interesting to me to see Adam Wainwright against the Cubs because it's gone really well, it's gone really poorly, and with the way that his season is gone, I similarly, I don't know what we're going to see from, from Adam Wainwright at Wrigley, although the home runs... The, the entire Cardinals starting rotation is giving up way more home runs than anyone would have predicted, but well, every has, but exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the, the home run numbers are up. Everyone seems to be giving up those solo shots, but um, maybe less for Adam Wainwright than I would have expected based on the, the stuff he came into the season with. So interesting to see those matchups for sure. You mentioned the bullpen kind of settling in maybe a little bit. <laughs> What's the yeah. status with the Cubs bullpen right now? I don't know. I thought maybe it would kill me. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, that that's another thing that really kind of irritated me with the Cubs in the offseason. They did very little to address the bullpen, um, especially the back end of the bullpen. Morrow has been shut down again uh, for at least two more weeks. He's not going to be throwing. He got a shot yesterday or the day before. So they're going on, you know, with Strope as a closer. And I like Pedro Strope. And, you know, I do like some of the pieces in the bullpen. Um, and they have been pitching pretty well, but it's not really a bullpen that you're comfortable with over the course of an entire season. And, um, you know, the walks are the issue. And so, uh, the Cardinals could easily work their way back into a game late in the game. Uh, if, if, um, you know, the, the, 
the uh, bullpen is having trouble finding the strike zone. And really, I feel like we talked about the home runs going up. Um, you know, it really feels like walks are going up around the league, too. And with this Cubs pitching staff, just starters and relievers, lots of walks. And um, you're going to see Hendricks probably on Saturday. That's another pitcher that I think you'll know in the first inning what it's what that game is going to be for Kyle Hendricks. If he's not getting the bottom of the zone, he's not able to hit the corners. Um, it could be a long, a long game for, for Kyle Hendricks. But when he does have that stuff, he looks great. And so I think the longer and with Quintana going on Sunday, probably the longer each of those guys can go into the game to put less stress on the bullpen and maybe minimize the use that, you know, the, the bullpen usage, I think that benefits the Cubs, but. I have to ask one more question on behalf of Graham, who's quite potentially the biggest Cole Hamels fan of all time. Wow. <laughs> um, at least that's, you know, he likes to remind me that Cole Hamels is his favorite player of all time. So his question is, how has the presence of Cole Hamels really helped that rotation and, and sort of stabilizing what you've got going on there? Yeah, I think especially when John Lester, John Lester missed, uh, I think, two starts. He was on the um, the DL or I'm sorry, the IL. Um, and uh, and at that point, like nobody in the rotation had looked decent at all and t- except for for um, Lester. And so I and then um, Hamels came in in his next start and just looked great for like his next three starts. I think I don't think he issued any walks in those three starts. And um, and you're right. Like, like that's what you get. That's what you're hoping for when you get a whatever 35 year old uh, starting pitcher that's been around forever is somebody that can come in and kind of stabilize things. And it feels like who knows how much again, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it almost felt like he did kind of um, all of the other pitchers kind of clicked into place. Um, when he stepped up and really started pitching well. And so, you know, and he, he, it might be the type of situation where he stepped up when he needed to, and we're going to see some bad outings, you know, cause he is 35 years old or whatever, but he's a signing that I wasn't real big on in the off season. Uh, you know, it was a $20 million one year deal. Um, you know, I, I thought that that money could probably be spent better, uh, somewhere else, but um, I think experience and probably leadership and everything that he has to bring, I think that that probably played a role in their decision to to bring him back this year. There you go, Graham. I hope that was everything you <laughs> hoped it would be as far as talking about Cole Hamels. All right, last question for you. Looking at the series this weekend, it's always unpredictable when the Cubs and the Cardinals get together. But if there's a key for the Cubs this weekend to this series at Wrigley, what would it be for you? Hmm, okay. Um how about that? How about I'll tell you the a player that I think could crush Cardinals fans' hearts, okay? Um, that, that you wouldn't expect, and watch out for David Bodie. Um, so he had, um, you know, he came up last year. He had a couple of like walk off home runs last year that kind of you know really captured the fans' hearts. I guess he's had a, uh, I think at least one this year already in the last week or so, um, and he is just playing really well. And he's playing third base, so um, you know he's played some second base too. So they're kind of working him in, and I just—he feels like the Cardinals have all of these players they just you've never heard of, and I'm sure Cardinals fans, you know, like you know who they are coming up through your system. It just feels like there is just this plethora of 
guys with weird names in the Cardinals system that do really well, especially against the Cubs. And I kind of feel like David Bodie could be that for the Cubs against the Cardinals. He seems like I think he could be a Cardinals killer. I don't I don't want to like say it, you know, I don't want to jinx it, I guess. But it feels like he's he's that type of a player. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's great. I, I love Cubs Cardinals series, um, you know, weekend Cubs Cardinals series are awesome. I hope the weather cooperates, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this series a lot. And it's it feels like it hasn't considering like the Cubs and Cardinals started uh seasons for a, a couple years yeah. in a row playing each other. It feels weird that here we're in May and they're meeting for the first time. So I just you know, especially in our area where there's a good mixture of Cubs and Cardinals fans, I think it's a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. Just wait until Lars Newt Bar becomes <laughs> a major that's a real thing. <laughs> Just wait. Uh, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. He'll have like one big hit in some series somewhere, and that'll well, be the legend of Lars Newtbar. I know where it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> no question about that. Oh no, you're right. I, it's always a little bit more, um, a little bit more intense when when the Cardinals and the Cubs face off. And really, the this season, even the, the Cardinals opened the se- opened the season with Milwaukee and it felt as close to a late August series as you can possibly get with the opening series of the year. And I I feel like that's, that's, we're just going to get more of the same of that within the the NL central this year. So I'm looking forward to getting this part of the the division rivalry underway. So Corey, thanks so much for your time. Remind everyone where they can hear more of your Cubs info if they should so choose. Sure. Well, IVMB.com is the website. And then we're on all the podcast apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of them. That's where we're at. So, All right. If you need more Cubs info than you got here, make sure you check it out. We'll, uh, we'll do this again sometime. <laughs> Thank you. There really is always just something a little extra when these two teams face off. And I don't know about you, but as a Cardinals fan, I've always been a little bit terrified of the series at Wrigley Field. One, because it's so unpredictable, but two, because these head-to-head matchups always seem to mean so much in the grand scheme of an entire season. Now, the Cardinals will head into Wrigley as the division leaders, which might surprise some people, but the Cubs are charging. And as Corey mentioned, some of the those heavy hitters are getting their groove back. So maybe this is a series where we see power offense against power offense and run scoring all over the place, which can happen quickly at Wrigley. But maybe this is the series where the pitching really puts it together and we have some low scoring, high stress games. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Let me know in the comments below which way you expect this series to go. And then do me a favor, go follow Corey if you need any Cubs info. Seriously, the Ivy Envy podcast is a great resource for all of that. Make sure that you're following along with everything going on at birdsontheblack.com. And if you like this series preview, give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel while you are here. There's new content pretty much daily from yours truly. So until we get more of that, I'm Tara Wellman, and I'll see you next time.